Well, all right, we uh, get to finish up our series on uh, the spiritual disciplines. I hope it's been encouraging for you uh, this time as uh, we go all the way back to when Jesse began the series, the understanding that uh, you don't drift into maturity. It's not something that just happens. Uh, if you just float down the stream, you kind of get further down the stream. But you, we, uh, if we want to make sure that we're growing strong, there's going to be some intentionality, there's going to be some effort that is required. Uh, but we want to make sure we put our effort in the right places so we can grow spiritually strong and mature. And that's part of being transformational disciples. And so our series course based around uh, 1 Corinthians 9.25. I hope you've had an opportunity to really think about this and uh, memorize it. And today we're going to talk about how to meditate on it, uh, but scripture. But just that great reminder that, you know, all athletes are disciplined in their training. That's just the way it is. And they do it to win a prize that fades away. But we do it for an eternal prize that we have something much bigger that we live for, and so it does deserve all of our effort. If you haven't had a chance or haven't really gone to yet to memorize this particular passage, well, you're in luck. We have it this week. It's on your connection card. It's perforated. Take it with you. On the back side, there's a fun little game. Uh, it just got the first letter of each of those things, so you could test yourselves. It helps us remember, and we'll talk about today how you can actually use that even in your meditation, because that's how we're going to complete the series. And why? Well, we'll be talking about the progression of this. We fast so we have a hunger for God, right? So we have this motivation, we, we desire for what God has for us. It draws us in closer to Him. As we meet with God, we want to commune with God, which is why we talked about prayer and how we pray and how we communicate and, and have this relationship with God. But as we talk to God, we need to make sure that we have time to hear from Him, and there's the quiet time, right? It's why we have that that space in which we have scripture that speaks back to us and we're able to this opportunity to meet regularly with the Lord. And as we do that, we want to center our life on God, not just hearing and talking to him, but if that relationship isn't becoming the center of who we are, we're kind of missing the point. Because any life that is in balance is a Christ-centered life, which is the point of the Sabbath, to worship God, to be able to center even our time on him and make him our first priority by living by faith, even how... Uh, how we exist, and, and, and so Sabbath is very important, and keeping worship being a center of that. And today, meditation. That it's not just living this life and doing this, we want to also gain the mind of Christ, the direction of God, to be able to, to fully understand what it is He wants for us in our actual real life. And that's what we're going to be talking about. That's what my, we end with meditation. It's the fruition of all of these things, being able to come to a point of understanding what God wants, and being able to live the life he's calling us to in our own life. And so let's talk about the first thing. What is meditation? On your there's several things there. Meditation is completely misunderstood in the modern world. So the first thing you'll notice that meditation, we talk about our definition, it's focused thinking. That is the opposite of Eastern meditation, right, which is not biblical meditation. Eastern meditation is telling you to be quiet, right, to empty yourself of everything so that you can finally listen and hear your inner voice. That's the last thing the scripture tells you to do. That's, that's the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Don't listen to yourself. In fact, scripture says, die to yourself, mortify the flesh. If you actually want to live a spiritual life, the last thing you want to be listening to is that inner little voice. That thing kills you. That's what it does. It's a deadly little tiny little voice. You don't want to empty yourself because scripture says when we empty ourselves, uh, even the spiritual world hates a vacuum and it's going to get filled with something. And it's probably not going to be good. No, no. Instead, meditation is, not, is the opposite of trying not to think. Biblical meditation, when you read about Jesus and the apostles and all of those who did, biblical meditation starts with its focus thinking. It's kind of like this. Have you ever worried about something? 
right? Ever been there? It's just on your mind. It's just gnawing there. That's meditation. It's just a negative meditation. You're thinking about it, all the possibilities, all the things that could possibly go. Scripture says don't meditate on the negative things, right? But instead to think about what is pure and right and lovely and good, and, right? That and admirable. We need to meditate. You're built for it. You're hardwired into it. But it takes effort to learn how to meditate on what is right and what is good. It's a focused type of thinking. But what do we focus our thinking on? Right? It worries about all the things that are negative. But biblical meditation, we want to make sure that we are meeting with God. And therefore, it's focused thinking about Scripture. This is because Scripture is God's Word. If you ever want to know what God has to say, read Scripture. Because He said it. Right? 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed. All of it. And it has wonderful uses for us in our life. So many times we miss out and we get misdirected and we're like, oh, why didn't you tell us what to do? And he's like, I wrote you a book. 66 of them, in fact. His direction is there, so oftentimes we haven't applied it because maybe we've read scripture, but we've never really focused and thought about it. And that's the point of meditation. So scripture is the word of God. It reveals the mind of God, the will of God. It gives us direction. It helps us to live. In when we are reading scripture, oftentimes you'll also hear from the Holy Spirit because he agrees with scripture. He inspired it. It's where it came from. So to begin with, as we focus thinking about scripture, and why do we focus thinking about scripture? Well, we do it in order to discover something. Do you know that the mind of God is bigger than your mind? Isn't that wonderful? That God has so much more for us and so much more in it that, that we will ever be able to, to comprehend. The infinite and eternal are hard concepts for our minds to, to grasp. We can kind of understand, but we can't really grasp them. It's this. Uh, let's say you put all of God's mind down in books. John said there'd be just what Jesus did in his life would be more than fill the whole earth with books, right? But you fill all the books, infinite number of books, right? All of the things of God. And you're really good at reading and you have, a, you have eternity and you are reading and reading and reading and reading all those books and you read half of the books, right? You're like, I got all these and you comprehended and you kept all those things. Let's just say that you did that. There would be still the same amount of books you have not read as when you began, that is the mind of God. So anyone who says to me, Aaron, I've been reading scripture, but there's just nothing new, you're not listening. It is so much deeper than you can possibly comprehend that God has so much for us. But oftentimes we miss it. It's kind of like getting a, a meal and you just gulp it down and you're like, it didn't taste like anything. Well, you didn't chew it. There wasn't anything there for me. Well, yeah. Scripture is taking the time to really think about what God has to say, to really process it. And the amazing thing is you'll go back later on and you can meditate on the same passage and you'll find something even deeper because that's the infinite mind of God. That's one of the things that makes Scripture holy, which means different, unlike, unique, not like anything else that man could ever create. It's one of the evidences of its divine inspiration. So when we go to Scripture, I'm not telling it to agree with me. I'm not going to Scripture to kind of read an old, comfortable, familiar thing. When I go and I meditate on Scripture, I'm going there to discover. I know that God has something deep 
that there's a truth there, that there's, there's, a, there's part of God's nature or his will or, or part of his character or something that he, there's there that I have not yet discovered. There is a treasure to be found, and I am going to hunt for it till I find it. So we want to find something outside of ourselves. If you ever start going meditation and you'll find that everything's disagreeing with where you were at, you're probably not meditating. You're, you're focused thinking about your own hearts and desires. What we want to do is focus thinking about Scripture. What was the author's intended meaning? Why did God write this? But we don't just do it in order to discover. You see, there's times, that I think, that where the Christian faith has kind of missed it is we've done all these wonderful studies. I've got books and books and libraries of books about every single verse of the Bible. In fact, you, wouldn't, you could throw away all the Bibles in the known world. You could throw them all away, and you could recreate the Bible in multiple different uh, versions just by all the quotes of the Bible in all different places. Like, we learned a lot about the Bible as people, and there's been all these sermons and things about it, but... All of that does nothing if it doesn't change us. Which is why when we go to Scripture, it's not about becoming smarter so I can do better at Christian jeopardy, right? Reason I go into Scripture, I, I focus, think about Scripture in order to discover how I can apply its truth. There has to be an application. If, if meditation doesn't lead us to putting God's Word in, into action in our life, then we've stopped short. We've missed the, 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 the best part. It would be like Thanksgiving, not like at Jesse's house, but most everybody else's, <laughs> right? Where you go there and you want to discover, you have this amazing meal that is just awesome, right? And if you had it all set up before and you're like, oh, look at that beautiful goose, right? And look at that wonderful cranberry sauce and the mashed potatoes and all those things. And Wow, look at what I have discovered. And then you get up and leave. You've missed the joy. The application of Scripture in our life is when it becomes sweet and rich and good. When we see the divine mind of God become practical in our own world, you see the goodness of God in practice. That's the point of meditation is to lead us to this point. How do I walk more closely with my Lord? How do I apply these divine truths more fully in my life? And that's it, that's how I can apply its truth goes to the last part, into my own life. Sometimes in meditation we miss the mark on this as we find ways to apply God's truth into other people's lives. That's, that doesn't do you any good. Any good counsel will tell you, you can't change another person. It's not your job to do that. Do you know who can change another person? They can, and God can. So let them work it out. But let God change you. Let his word become personal to you. Not just a nice thing to know so that other people can walk in the wonderful truth of God. But discover his truth in ways that you can apply into your life. So that you can start living the kingdom life now. Oftentimes we think of the Bible is uh, in God's ways of kind of like this restriction I've heard, especially young people or young believers, but anytime it tells us to not do something we want to do, mortify our flesh and live according to the Spirit, we're like, oh, what a burden. You understand the Scripture is the cheat code to living. How many religions and, and gurus are out there trying to tell us this is the way to have a successful life, a good life? Right? They're all, we're all trying to come up with a way. The self-help books, if you go to a bookstore, there's all these self-help books. and nothing wrong with it. 
but most of them are people's ideas of how we can make my life somehow better. Like, we're so hungry to make our lives better. And God said, hey, I invented everything. I kind of know how it works. Here's how it works. The scripture is an invitation to real living. It keeps us away from destructive behaviors and lifestyles that bring death and, and misery. And the worst part is, because of the broken sin nature that I have, I kind of lean towards the things that tell me to do what's wrong, which is the, why I don't want to listen to that little tiny voice in my head. I got to work against the regular pull, the current of life. I need to be disciplined in my thinking to be able to say, God, what do you have for me? How do I apply it? Because in doing so, that is a life lived on faith, trusting that God actually knows what is best and he's good. And when I live that life on faith, amazing things happen. The, the invisible God all of a sudden becomes very apparent in every part of my life. So much so that in Galatians says that as we seek after God like this, there's going to be things, these evidences in your own life that you can't take credit for. They call it fruits of the Spirit. You're just going to find yourself more loving, more joyful. You're going to have peace in times where you're like, wait, why do I have peace right now? Patience. There'll be a gentleness about you that's just going to be growing. You'll be like, where did that come from? You'll be kind. Or good, which most of us are like, how on earth could that be? I mean, I know me. But I'll become more like God. My character and my being. How amazing is this? that I will actually be have this thing called self-control, that I'm not going to just be this runaway, feral child doing crazy things on this earth. But I'll have this ability to have my life disciplined and directed to do what God has called me to do. Those are the evidences of God at work within me. Do you want those things? Don't try to be more peaceful or patient or kind. Follow God. Love Him. Seek His word, Right? Think about it. Discover what he has to say, how you apply it to your life. And you're going to find that God begins to transform you from the inside out in ways that you'll never be able to take credit for. It's the most beautiful, most amazing thing. I think it's the part of why so many Christians, they get to a certain level of maturity and then stop. They just kind of peek out. And they go to Bible studies and they do all these other things, right? And they, they just seem to, why am I not growing? Well, I think part of it is we're not really meditating. We're not thinking about God's word. We're not taking it in. We're not discovering what he has for me. We're not looking about how I can apply it to my life today. So meditation is a pointless thing until it's personal. But once it becomes personal, it becomes very powerful. So why meditate? I'm going to give you three good reasons why to meditate. And the first one is that meditation is the key to becoming like Christ. You want to become more Christ-like? We all want you to become more Christ-like. The world wants us to become more Christ-like. I want me to become more Christ-like. How does that happen? Well, it's not just by doing whatever I want to do, and it's certainly not listening to that still small voice in my head that comes from me. It comes from gaining the mind of Christ, having him transform the way I think. Romans 12.2 says this, so let God transform you into a new person, changing the way you think. 
That's what he does. Now, who does the transformation? God. Isn't that wonderful? It doesn't just say, now work really hard and conform your mind to the mind of God. Be smart enough. No, 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 no. Let God transform you into a new person. Let God change how you think. How do you do that? Well, you invest in him. That's what meditation does. As you spend time with him, you spend time with the word, it begins to change you from the inside out. So how we think directs who we are. That's why it matters, right? And so how we, we think, you think about a thought, and how we think becomes actions. What I think about is eventually what I'm going to do. And when I do, I do it enough of that, becomes my character. And I do that enough, that becomes my identity. If you want to be able to have that transformation of how you live, that from the inside out, holistic, not a person who acts loving, but a person who truly is loving, not a person who can be kind, but a person who is kindness, not a person who who can act loving, but a person who has just love as part of who they are, that's a transformation. That's what God's going to do in you. He's going to change how you even think, which will change how you act, which will change your character, which will change your very identity. That's a good reason to meditate, but there's more. You know that meditation is also a key to answered prayer? That it's oftentimes we pray and then we feel like God keeps saying no to us, right? Well, there's a reason for that. Oftentimes we're not asking for the things that God wants. We're like a, a four-year-old who's asking for a hand grenade. We're, and she's saying, no, I'm not going to do it. But sometimes we're just so far off. So how do we ask for the right things? Remember that uh, last week, you know, we, we were in our worship time. We had that song, The Vine, and, you know, that we abide in Christ, he abides. Well, that comes from John 15. And, and Jesus said, he's the vine, we're the branches, right? And apart from him, we're not going to be able to, to do anything. But if we abide in him and he abides in us, right, then we're going to bear a lot of fruit. John 15, 7, he says this about that. If you stay joined in me, my words remain in you. You may ask for any request you like, and it will be granted. So the secret to an answered type prayer, powerful prayers, prayers that actually move heaven and earth in very real and practical ways, is staying joined to me and my words remain in you. That's meditation, focus thinking on God's word to discover how I can apply it to my life. That's remaining in God's word and having it remain in us. It's when it changes us. And so we'll find as we meditate, we pray better. As we pray better, we get better answers. It's very, very, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. And so if we want to have this, this thing where you're seeing, like I'm asking and all of a sudden I start seeing, asking what you'd like to be granted, you begin to see all these things happening. Well, it's probably not that you have these great ideas that all of a sudden God's just agreeing with you. No, when we go to prayer, powerful prayers, when we agree with God at the beginning, we say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Oh, and based upon this, thinking how your word applies to my life, I think that's what that is. But how am I going to get to this place of understanding what God's will looks like in my life so I can ask for it if I've not even thought about it? If I have no idea what his word is, if I have no, I've not discovered anything about his truth, and I certainly haven't looked at how I'm supposed to apply my life. No wonder my prayers seem like God's always saying, <laughs> no, I'm not going to give you a hand grenade. Keep praying. But as we pray, let's make sure that we're praying God's will. Meditation helps us do that. The third reason for for meditation, and this is, a, this is one of those bonus things that God gives us is because he's awesome. 
If meditation is the key to successful living, right? Like I said, Scripture is a cheat code. It's a life hack. But if you want to be successful in life, you want a successful society, successful family, successful business, biblical principles actually tell us how the world works. And if we apply those to our life, we're operating according to the owner's manual. Things just work better. But you can't do that if you don't know what, what the Word says. How can you live according to what the Bible says if you don't even know what it says? Or if you've read it, but you've never really thought about how it affects how I live, well, then it's not going to affect you very much at all. But if you are meditating and you are focused thinking about Scripture, right, to discover how God's Word applies to your life, man, that's powerful. You know, uh, in uh, way, way long time ago, there's a guy named Moses, led the people out of, out of Egypt, Right? And they wander around a desert for a little while, because right? And then Moses didn't get to go to the promised land because he was naughty and struck a rock twice, and that made that was bad. So we'll talk about it some other time. But he wasn't able to go. But there was a time that he eventually really old, and it's and the people need to go to the promised land. So what is God going to do? Well, time for Moses to go be with the Lord, right? He's he's been pretty faithful, and so they have to hand the baton off. And, and so there's got to be a new leader. Somebody's going to take them into the promised land. There's a guy named named Joshua. And he had been with the right-hand man of, uh, of Moses for all this time, right? And so Moses goes up into the hills, and, and the Lord takes him, and uh, Joshua then gets to lead the people into the promised land. And can you imagine how intimidating that is? Like, you have to follow up that act like Moses was your predecessor. That would be intimidating, right? The guy led you literally out of slavery. You saw the works of God. Moses met with the Lord at the tent of meeting, all that kind of stuff. Can you imagine the pressure Joshua has to how am I going to be successful, right? Like, this is going to be really tough. And God meets with Joshua before he does anything. And he gives them the secret to success, Joshua 1.8, and he says this, meditate on the word day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. That, that was the, the key. He's like, Joshua, you don't have to meet with me in the tent of meeting like Moses did. I've given you the books. I've given you my mind. Right? Like, you don't have to have what Moses had to have the benefit. You have my words. You have my direction. You're not going to need me as a pillar of fire and smoke. You're not going to need that anymore. Right? But it doesn't mean I'm not guiding you. I've given you something even more powerful than a, power, a, a, a tower of, of, uh, of fire or smoke to be able to follow. I've given you something more than just this one little tent of meeting where one guy gets to go and meet. He's given us his holy word. And what does he say? Focus thinking about it. Meditate on the word. Do it. And make this an important part of your life, a discipline, not just something we do once in a while, but day and night should it be on our heart and mind. What does God's word have to say? And why do we do that? Focus thinking about God's word to discover new, right? How it can apply to my life. Do everything written in it. But if we meditate, then you will be prosperous and successful. That's the power. That's, that's the amazing thing. In fact, my hope and how I design my messages, my sermons, are to help you begin the process of meditation. We'll talk about a passage a little bit. We'll, we'll kind of open it up a little bit, give you a little more comfortable with the word so that you can continue to think about it. But if the last time you think about a passage is when I say amen and then you leave, 
It's not doing you a lot of good. There's not a lot of prosperity, not a lot of success in that. But God has set you up for success. Meditation helps us get there. So, how do you meditate? Quickly, this is how we're going to go through it. It's not hard. The first thing you do is choose an uninterrupted time and space. Why uninterrupted? Well, to begin with, yes, day and night, we're going to be thinking about the scripture, but as you learn how to think about focusing on God's word, you have to focus. And it's nice to not be interrupted, right? So you know a good time to do this? Your quiet time, which starts as an uninterrupted time and space, which is why we talked about how to have a quiet time before this. To begin meditation, it's a great time to learn how to do that, right? But just find a time and a space that you're not going to, you know that you're going to have fewer distractions. Turn off your phone, turn off the messages, things like this, right? And start small, okay? Most of us are ADD. Media's trained us to be, we can't watch a commercial without having a commercial in the middle of the commercial, right? We're just the way that we are, okay? So God loves us. We're his little spastic children. And so just start where you're at. Maybe it's one minute. I'm going to focus. I'm going to think about this thing, right? Maybe up to five minutes, right? It's amazing how when you expand this, you're going to be able to be able to actually focus and think longer and longer and longer about something. And the longer you focus and think, the deeper you get, which is pretty cool. Now, choose an interrupted time and space. Second thing we need to do is pick a passage, right? Because it's scripture that we're meditating on. Do not think, meditate, focus on some idea, some voice, something like that. Meditate on scripture because scripture is so much deeper than anything else, even wise individuals. Don't meditate on one of my messages. Meditate on the word of God, right? Because God is actually even smarter than me. So meditate on that, okay? So a good way to start is it might be one or two sentences, right? A little passage. This is why we give you these connection cards, right? And on there, you'll find there's just one passage. And I encourage you every single week, you just pull it out right here. If you have anything else to meditate on, you don't want to, you have something to begin with, which is why an entire series is based around it. So you can see a lot of different applications that are in there. Begin thinking about this. And, and as you do, there's three questions that help you to meditate on, on something. Three questions. The first question you want to ask yourself is, what does it say? If you don't know what the passage actually says, well, then how are you going to think about it? Right? So all athletes are disciplined in their thinking. What does it say? That the athletes, when they work out hard to make sure that they, they know what they're doing, right? So I kind of paraphrase it to myself. But they do it for a prize that will pass away. We do it for an eternal prize. Yeah, the athletes work really, really hard for something to get a trophy that eventually doesn't matter. But, <laughs> but my spiritual day, I'm gonna, when I discipline my spirit, is for things that actually last, which means that this, I actually get rewards that will last. Cool, that. So what does it say? This requires us to know a little context about what we're reading. Don't just open the Bible and pick a passage and be like, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and then go to try to bench a, you know, a, a dump truck. It's not going to work. You want to understand the context, right? What is the author's intended meaning? That's the aim, right? So what does it say? Look at the context. Read the passage before and after. Figure out what is it talking about so you're not taking things out of context. What is being said? And then read it. And as you do it, some things that I like to do is I can try to picture it in my head right? Because I'm a visual learner, so I kind of picture it, and I'm like, okay, athletes working out, and I picture it in my own head, like me spiritually working out, getting all spiritually buff. Cool. All right. Picture it. Other thing you could do, pronounce it. Say the words out loud. This is why it's good to be private, you know, because people look at you crazy, but if you're alone, pretty easy. And sometimes what I'll do is I will 
just emphasize one word and then read the whole thing. It's like, all athletes are disciplined, right? No, all athletes are disciplined. I go through. It's amazing if you do that. Sometimes one of those words will really stick out, and there's a new, there's something you hadn't thought of before, and that's what I begin to really think about. How does that apply, right? Paraphrase it. You can write the verse in your own words if you want to. Some people like to, to meditate with a journal. That's cool. I also like to personalize certain passages. So like at the end of this, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize. They'll fade away, but I do it to win an eternal prize. Put that, making it personal. Sometimes it's powerful to just make sure that it's in context, that it works. Um, but there are different ways to kind of think through what does it say. After you think you got a pretty good idea of what it says, then what does it mean? Like God wants us to know more than just the facts that athletes work out and so we can spiritually work out. There's a, there's a spiritual theological truth to this. In fact, there's usually a lot of layers to those. What does it mean? Right? So I always want to check the aim, the context. It's never going to mean anything other than what God wants it to mean. So I look at that and I say, okay, well, what could be some of the meanings? What is God saying in this? Right? And so I would say this, that there's a value for physical and training, for discipline in this life, but there's a greater value in my life for spiritual training. Right? That's what it's saying. So I look for those deeper theological things, think about what it might mean, look for deeper principles, and then how does it apply? Because remember, meditation is focused thinking about Scripture to discover how to apply God's truth to my life. So how does this apply? And you'll find Scripture is very applicable. So how does it apply in my life? Well, maybe there's a sin for me to confess. Maybe there's a promise for, for me to claim, maybe there's an attitude for me to adopt, or, or maybe there's a command for me to obey. Maybe there's an example for me to follow, or a prayer for me to pray. Maybe there's an error for me to avoid, or a truth for me to, to cling to. Or maybe there's just something for me to be grateful for. If you wrote all those down, that's an acronym, it's called Space Pets, which I think is fun. But it's just a way of thinking through God's word is there something for me in this? One of the ways that I ask when I try to ask for an application is I ask for God's Holy Spirit to help me because he says, if we need wisdom, yes, I do, thank you. How do I apply this to my life? If you're really stumped or even before you begin, Lord, help me know, what does this mean for me? What do you want from me in this? It's amazing how God begins to help direct our thinking, right? But I would say for this passage, all athletes, you know, they have their way of, uh, they're working out for eternal prizes. That's great. That's the way that God designed the world to work right? But we do it for an eternal prize, which means I need to be putting more effort, making sure that if I look at my life, am I putting at least as much effort into growing spiritually strong as I am to growing, you know, financially strong or uh, strong in my career or strong in different skill sets or strong in my relationships, right? If all those things are great, but they're not eternal. So am I putting as much effort and I can really think through my life am I, and how can I put more effort into growing spiritually? That would be an application. And try to find one thing. That's what I try to do. Just You don't have to do everything. Just one thing. Just one step. You don't climb Long's Peak in a giant leap, unless you're weird. You take a lot of little steps. So just one step. So for me this week, what's one thing that I can do starting today that can help me apply this to my life, how I can start investing in my, myself? Well, maybe for some, it's maybe I might be, I'm going to start having quiet time. Maybe for some, it's like, you know, I'm going to start having a fast because I really need to start longing for God. Uh, maybe for some, it's, it's having, developing my prayer life and saying, you know, what? I'm going to start praying every day. In fact, I'm going to start praying for the five things that our church is all praying for together. 
You know, maybe for you it's finding that time to have a quiet time. And maybe for you it's just to say, you know what, this week I'm going to really chew on and think through this passage and find application in my life. Just one thing, and then go and do it. So meditation. Meditation is beautiful. It's, it's a wonderful thing. It's not weird. You don't have to sit on top of a mountain and go, hmm. Don't be bored. Meditation is not boring. Meditation is, is a little exhausting, if anything. It's, that's why I start small. Don't break your brain. Just start small. But it's focus thinking about Scripture in order to discover how I can apply its truth to my life. If you do that, you're going to find yourself so much richer. Right? You're going to be uh, more Christ-like. You're going to find more answered prayer. You're going to find more success, which is great. It's something we all want. So find that uninterrupted time and space. Find a passage. Ask what it says. Ask what it means. Ask for how it applies. And so for each of us, then, as we kind of bring this series to a close, some next steps I'm going to challenge you to. The first one is to meditate on 1 Corinthians 9.25. That's what we just did right here. I kind of gave you an introduction into it. Try it out. Try it out. Or maybe there's a different passage that you, you've been reading wherever you're in your scripture, your quiet time. Go for that, right? Pick one or two. Just try it out. Now, here's the thing. You're going to be lousy at it at first, just like no one's good at walking when they're first learning how to walk. They stumble. Look at little kids. They just stumble all the time, right? But if they keep at it, they become really good. And eventually, they can run and do all kinds of things. It's going to be like meditation. You're going to be clumsy. That's fine. Just stick with it. But just start. Next thing. Maybe you want to go into passage about Scripture. That's Psalm 119. You're going to meditate on Scripture. Sign up what the Word of God says about the Word of God in the most beautiful, poetic kind of ways. That's going to be a lot of Scripture, but maybe there's one passage in there. As you read it, you're like, this is something that I don't understand, something I want to dig into more. Focus on that. Next thing you want to do is practice. Now, again, you can't do everything. I will, uh, the goal is we want to have all of these disciplines in our life, but maybe there's one that you'd say from this point, I've heard the series, I'm going to really focus on this. This is what I'm going to begin practicing. So maybe it's fasting. Let me know. Circle it, right? Say, this is what I'm going to really start trying for. Or maybe it is prayer time. Or maybe it's getting your quiet time. Or maybe it's your Sabbath. Or maybe it is meditation. But pick one, and let's start drawing into that. And once you have your feet under you, then we can, you can start developing the other disciplines, right? But just focus on one, right? It's just the next step, living that faithful life. Last thing I'm going to have you do is invite a friend. Why? Well, because Jesus told us to, right? He said, go to all world, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach those disciples to obey everything I've commanded you. And be sure of this, he's with us always to the end of the age, right? We're supposed to be his witnesses telling people about him everywhere, and that's even here. And so one of the things we want to do is make sure that all of us are being able to invite our friends and family, and guess what happens next week? Advent, which is great, and Colin's going to be here, and we're going to have pie, and it's going to be awesome. So one of those things, maybe that how you apply God's word to your life is to, you've been praying for those five people to actually invite them. And so that's why we've given you this tool. If you need more of them, there's some in the back. We can give you more of these cards and just say, you know what? I'm going to pray of this. And don't just take this card and just hand it. You pray over first, right? Let God be part of it. He's with you all, which at the end of the age, so let him help you. Pray over it and, and say, hey, I'd love to have you join me for church next week. Maybe that's your commitment. All right. Well, of course, if you're here this morning and you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that could be your first step, because that needs to be your first step. We're saved by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You need to take that step of faithfulness. Come talk with me. We'll help you walk in this life, because why be disciplined in how to live a new life if you don't have that new life yet? So let us help you start with that first. But for all of us, uh, as we're here, let's follow after God. Let's apply his word to our life, and let's see the amazing things that he does in us and through us.
All right, so I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to take our offering, and I'm going to stay up here, and I'll tell you why in just a minute, and then, uh, and then I'll set you free. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, uh, Lord, that uh, you are real, which is pretty awesome that you made us, and we're real, and that's pretty great too, and that we have a real hope that uh, we, we get ready to celebrate even this next week. You came to this world to save us from ourselves. But Father, I'm grateful we don't have to wait till next week to really bring in the application, the joy, and the fruit of this, Lord, that, that we have your word today. May we feast on it. Lord, may it become a, a real thing in our life. Father, everyone in our church, we want to grow more mature in faith. We want to have what the scripture says, uh, uh, putting our effort into something actually has eternal value. And Father, help us to set your values into ours, Lord, and for, uh, for each of us today as we make commitments, help us to keep those in a way that draws us closer to you. May they be acts of faithfulness and love. Uh, Father, I too, I, I pray for our offering as well, another expression of our faithfulness, our, uh, of worship, centering our lives, both with our time and our money and even with our talents, just on you. Would you use these gifts, Lord, to build your kingdom in us and through us, that you would be glorified? And Father, we also pray for all of those that are going to be inviting friends these next couple weeks as, to join us for Advent and the joy of that. We, we pray uh, that you would be uh, just working through the whole process. Uh, you'd prepare hearts to receive an invitation, make them ready, give us courage and words and opportunities. And, and Lord, would you build your kingdom for your glory in this? We ask all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Very good. As the baskets are passed around, you take um, your, your, you can drop off your... Uh, your commitments and those things. Um, you notice I'm up here, but Jesse is not, right? And uh, not the worship yet. This is because this is a special day that uh, next week we bring Colin in. It's going to be our worship and, uh, and community pastor. He's got a lot of stuff that he's going to be doing, and we're excited to welcome him in. But uh, Jesse has been serving in that role as a worship pastor for us and an associate for uh, just a really doing a phenomenal job. And I think what he's done is... Uh, uh, really raised the bar. I think he's made it hard for Colin to come in, and that's a, that's a great thing to do. And, uh, but he's moving into the next role. He's not leaving the church, which is great, right? We're, we're helping Jesse develop to become ready to be able, someday he's going to be leading, uh, serving a church as lead pastor. And so that next step, he's be stepping into a family pastor role and uh, serving. And uh, we see our, our praise place growing. We see our, the youth group is going to be uh, some pretty awesome stuff going to be happening in there. Uh, we think about the different family ministries and things as he really grows into that. And uh, before he takes that step into that next role, and uh, we, I think we should also show him some gratitude for the many ways that he's served us as a worship pastor. Now, when I go on vacation, uh, or when Colin goes on vacation, he'll probably still be leading a little bit of worship occasionally, but, uh, but he'll still be here. But just we want to say thank you to him. So Jess, if you're going to come up, and, and we would want to uh, give our appreciation to you, but also pray over you as you enter into this next phase, your next role in your development as a, as a servant of the Lord and serving the church. It's, a, it's pretty awesome, so, uh, which is great. First, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to applaud you. You can all join me if you want to, but I just say thank you. <laughs> It's, it's so hard to have a talented brother like this because he's so good at worship. It was really hard for me to move him to something different. Like, this was a sacrifice because you did such a great job. And I know the worship band feels exactly the same. Like, you've built not just great worship, but you've built such a great camaraderie and amongst the worship team. But uh, now as you step into this next, uh, this next phase, we're really excited. to. We want to pray and support you as you help grow in the, the children's ministry and serve those who serve there and the, and the youth group. That's it's going to be a lot. You're going to turn gray. It happens. Um, <laughs> and kids do that to you. Uh, 
right, and families, and so uh, just we're really excited for you. But before we pray for you, I know that you wanted some things that you wanted to mention, yeah. so. Mike, two? Oh, here we go. Well, um, I do want I did want to say a few things, and the first is just my, my gratitude towards the worship team, so if you've ever served on the worship team uh, in any way, shape, or form, uh, it has been one of the highest honors and privileges of, of my ministry life was to serve uh, with the people who fill this stage every Sunday, um, especially because we have so many kids. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you notice that. Not a lot of worship teams have like 20 kids on them, but we do. Um, and so to see the kids in our church, the youth specifically, just kind of step up and want to be a part of what God is doing in the worship here at the Christian church um, has really just blessed me. And uh, it, I think it really goes to um, un underpin our value here is to create generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. And to see the generations come and want to serve has been a blessing to me. Uh, I will miss it. I want to say thank you to, to everybody who's ever worshipped with us uh, and not let my, uh, my weird earrings get in the way of that um, or my song selection. Uh, but thank you to all of you who have, um, you know, just sung right along because at the end of the day, worship isn't about you and me. It's not about the song selection or your favorite, your favorite style of music. Worship is about God. And, and so we don't worship ourselves. We don't uh, worship one another during our time of song. We worship the Lord. And that's what we're there for. Um, and so um, today kind of marks the end of an era for me. I've been leading worship. I've been like the worship guy. Um, gosh since 2012, 2013. So it's been a decade of leading worship. And so I'm just kind of closing uh, the, the chapter today. Uh, and so, uh, which it's great timing. Um, uh, I don't know if you all are on Facebook or Instagram, but uh, Angelina and I, our family is growing. And so we have another baby on the way, which is great timing. And I'll share this. Every night before I tuck Reagan into bed, I ask her what she wants to pray for. And for over a year now, she said for a baby sister or a brother. And so God has answered that prayer. So our family is growing. And as of Tuesday, I will, I will be your family pastor. Uh, and so uh, with that being said, though, I do want to note a few people um, that I think are just have a special anointing uh, for what they've done in the past couple years. Um, Two of those people I don't see today, um, Joan Schultz, who works in the nursery, uh, and Floyd Wright, who also serves in the nursery. But I also see Debbie Wright. And so, Debbie, would you stand, please? I and mean, we just want to honor you for a second. Would you? Would you give a round of applause? And Jimmy Cole in the back. You can be seated, Debbie. And Jimmy Cole in the back, if we could give him some, some honor this morning. And the reason I want to point these people out, and I, I'd like to run through them quickly, um, when the hub exploded uh, and there was no large group youth ministry in Essence Park, everybody just kind of started doing their own things. And for a while, I think Zach led it and then he left. And then Carissa led it for a while and then she left. Uh, and then when there was nobody who was, you know, staff at the church uh, serving the youth, uh, Jimmy held it together um, and he stepped into that space and he loved the kids. And I actually got to go to my first youth group um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I just saw the love that Jimmy has for the youth of this church and the love that the youth have for Jimmy as well. And so I just want to commend that brother for the work he's done. Um, Debbie Wright, when uh, I first arrived here at the Christian church, I don't think there were any other volunteers. There was like one other person who served once in a while. Debbie Wright was in Praise Place every single 
week, going mm-hmm. above and beyond for the children of this church. So whether it was a group uh, of just her versus like 20 kids or her versus two, um, like she would come in and you would see her lesson prepping in the morning. If they were doing some type of like baked snack, like that was part of the lesson plan uh, and they didn't have enough time to bake it, she baked all the stuff the night before. So the kids got to do and participate in making this snack, but the cookies were already ready to bless them with. Um, and so her commitment to that ministry has just been incredible um, in, in the years that it has had no staff leadership. Um, and then uh, Joan and Floyd, um, gosh, bless their hearts. They are with the babies every week. Um, and, and not just like holding them and playing with them. But I mean, I see Joan every week sit down at the table with the children, even though they might, they're probably not going to remember anything that she said. And she's teaching them classroom etiquette. And she is sharing the gospel with even the youngest of the children. And Joan, in fact, I I know of one young mom in the church who had uh, her her fourth child. Uh, And so that kind of a a ruckus household at that point. So they got three little ones and and a newborn. Uh, And there was one day after the newborn came that Joan just went over their house and cooked them grilled cheeses and baked cookies with the kids to give mom uh, an afternoon off. Uh, and whenever you hear Floyd, right, talk about uh, the nursery ministry, he, I mean, he's always recruiting. He's telling people about how rewarding and awesome of a ministry it is to bless the young babies in our church. And so I just wanted to commend those people who have really kept our children's and family ministries alive while they had no, uh, no staff oversight or staff leadership, while there was nobody over those ministries, they stepped up in a big way and, and blessed the children of this church. So I just wanted to say a big thank you uh, to, to those of you who have served in those places, and that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Yeah. Well, our church is blessed. We have so many wonderful uh, folks, servants in the church, and, and yeah, thank you for all that have been continue to serve. But as you transition, we want to pray for you with God's blessing and, and uh, anointing as you step in this new role. So please join me as, as we pray for, for Jesse. Father God, we thank you for this young man. Lord, the way that you're growing him up and as a powerful uh, servant of yours in your kingdom. It's fun just watching him continue to develop as a, as a pastor in, in amongst our, our midst. And Father, we thank you for the many years that he's been faithful in serving in worship and preparing hearts to receive the word and the way that he's uh, brought so many into uh, to the church. And uh, Father, we pray now as uh, he steps into this next ministry, you will uh, help him make that transition well, that you would put that same type of gifting, anointing, and joy uh, and service upon him, Father. May he serve those that... Uh, that are in this church and serve those who serve others in the church. Uh, give him the, the ability to lead and to guide them well, uh, to really uh, to care for them. Father, I pray that this would be a way that these next uh, couple of years would be a way of uh, we'd see him develop even more and uh, give him that heart and ministry. We pray that you would prosper, put his hands to, Father, that we'd see your kingdom grow for your glory. And Father, we thank you for uh, for all those who have served already in our family ministries, Lord, and uh, been uh, singled out today as just for gratitude and appreciation. Uh, Father, for uh, Jimmy and for Debbie, we think of uh, Joan and Floyd and others who have served uh, unnamed. Father, we thank you that you continue to bring worshipers to this church who serve you with their talents, that you can bless them richly for their efforts. And grow our family ministries, Father. We pray that we would see many, many more families from this community brought into this church and to grow as generational transformational disciples here. And Father, we, we thank you for all of that, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.
Please receive this blessing now as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And you may go in peace.